All right. Well, this morning, um, let me remind you where we were last week. Last week, we started this series I've entitled 10 Marks of a Healthy Church. And I want you to be reminded our purpose is to explore what healthy churches do, not to create a list of things we do to become healthy. That makes sense? So I want you to make sure we're looking at it the, the right way. Because, excuse me, when we're in tune with God, these are the things that will flow out of our lives. Not naturally, but supernaturally. And we began last week, we talked about the foundation of the church. And who is the foundation of the, of the church? Jesus. Jesus is our foundation. And when we grasp that, we will do certain things. I remember Paul phrased them as let us things. He said, let us do this. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us consider each other more than ourselves. And we will do those things. Now I want you to turn in your Bible, if you've got it, to First Timothy chapter 2. We're, we're going to look at the letter that Paul wrote to his son in the ministry. Um, Paul uh, had encountered Timothy when he traveled through the town of Lystra, which is in what is today modern Turkey. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, Timothy had a mother and a grandmother, both who were followers of God. They were believers. Uh, and that impacted his life. And when Paul met Timothy, he was quite a bit younger. But, but Timothy sensed a call to, to ministry, to serve, not exactly like Paul has. Paul was more of a missionary. He was called more to serve as a bishop, or maybe we'd use the term pastor in our day. And Paul wrote this letter to him, I think, on another missionary journey, probably the fourth one that's not recorded in Acts, or maybe he was already in prison when he wrote it. And his goal was to do this, to instruct Timothy on how to lead a congregation in a pagan environment. Ephesus, just like every other town in the New in the New Testament era, were very pagan. They had pagan temples, they had pagan practices, they had all kinds of just weird stuff going on. And while he spoke of many things in that vein, I want to just focus on one, and that's the one that we're going to look at today, which is prayer. And a healthy church prays consistently. We pray consistently. Look at verses 1 following. First of all then, Paul said, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a teacher, a preacher and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold and gold or pearls and costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Father God, we come before you asking you to show us the truth of your text to the scriptures this morning. In the area particularly of prayer, help us to understand the importance of prayer, the priority of prayer, the need for prayer, the need for us to come into your presence, not just when we find we're at the end of our rope, but God, to be in continual communion with you on a regular basis, having conversations throughout the day in prayer. Father, we want our lives to be bathed with that. And we want to be in tune with you. 
And Father, one of the ways we do that is by having conversation with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's just three things I want you to see. The outline's not in the bulletin, so you'll have to write it in if you want to. The first thing is a healthy church views prayer as a high priority. It's a high priority in our lives. It's not something we do when we have to, when we need to, when we can, we're at the end of the rope, but something that is number one in our lives. It's on the top list. And it causes them, them to make a high priority of prayer. And I, and I really doubt this is the first time Paul's ever said to Timothy, you really ought to pray. So when he says, first of all, I don't think that's an idea that finally I'm going to tell you this. But I think what he's doing is what we do in times, uh, at times in Christian experience. We'll circle back to remind ourselves we need to be doing this. We need to be a part of this. We need to be in this. We need to allow this to fill our, our lives. And his thought here is that prayer is a priority in the life of a healthy believer. Healthy believers talk to God on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, and it's prioritized in our lives. That's what I would call a first thing. Something very, very important in our lives. In the lives of healthy believers and churches, we place a high priority on prayer. And it's not relegated to an activity we do in the spare moments. Well, if I get around to it, I'll go ahead and pray. Or when I get to the bottom of the rope, I'll pray. Or when I, But we pray on a regular basis. It's been said of Martin Luther, the reformer, that he believed in prayer so much, he said this, I have so much to do that I will have, or I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. Can you imagine? Most of the time we go, I got so much to do, I'm going to push prayer to the bottom of the list. We're the opposite, aren't we? We say, I got to get going, I got things to do, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. I get that way sometimes, I'm sure you do too. And we push prayer down the list. But a healthy believer, a healthy church says, no, prayer is a priority. But why do we not prioritize it. I I got to thinking about why we might do this. Well, maybe we don't really know how to pray. We go, what do I do in prayer? How do I do this? I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this conversation with the God of the universe. So what do I say? What do I do? Maybe we need to do some more study on prayer. We need to spend time in the scriptures reading about prayer. Find some good devotional books on it. Read about it. Understand it so that we can be better at it. You know, I, I, when I was in, in college, I decided I would take um, uh, Greek. I had to take a language for my degree plan. And I said, well, I'm going to go to seminary, so I think I'll take Greek. Let me tell you what. That was not a course that you just walked into and skated through. You had to work, you know, y'all, we've all had classes like that, right? In life, we've all, we had to gut it out. We had to spend time in it. We had to work. That's the way prayer for many of us is. We have to get in there and, and figure it out. We have to learn it. We have to understand what it means and how to do it and what to do it. Or maybe we have a, a real doubt in our lives. We go, you know, I've prayed before and God didn't do anything. I don't think he's going to listen. So why do I waste my time? Maybe you've had that experience. You say, well, I don't want to waste my time talking to someone who's not listening to what I'm saying anyway. Or maybe it's possible we think, I, I don't need to pray. I can handle this. I can take care of this on my own. I can do this activity. I can do this thing next. I can take care. I can make this decision on my own. I'm pretty smart. And we will put the, the prayer off until we get where? To the end of the rope. And we go, man, I got it. God, okay, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I, I guess I ought to go ahead and go ahead and ask you something, right? Some of us 
that's a very common experience. But I believe that prayer, and it's been called this, it's not new to me, but prayer is a declaration of dependence that says, God, I need you in the moment. I need you in this environment. I need you in this situation. I need you to guide me in this moment. I need you to reveal your truth. I need you to show me this path forward. I need you to know what to do next. But notice the inclusive nature. Look at verse one again. You're thinking, he's only in verse one. He's still talking. Yeah, I am. Because there's a lot right there. He says, look at the inclusive nature of prayer. There's, there's supplications. There's prayers. There's intercessions and there's thanksgivings. And you're probably thinking, aren't those synonyms? No, they're not. They're all different aspects of prayer. The first one deals with the idea of our felt need. God, I'm struggling with this situation with my friend. How do I deal with this? What do I do? God, show me your your guidance here. God, would you show me my need, how to fill that need? Second is the word prayer. And it, it really carries an idea of a reverence. You know, when we come into the presence of God, and you're probably thinking, well, you're talking about that 20 minutes in the morning, we get on our knees and we pray. No, I believe prayer is something we do all day long, that conversation we have with God on a regular basis. But it's this idea that I'm coming not into the, 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 the room with my buddy, but with the God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords. And I come into his presence with a reverence. A, a respect that says, God, you are, and I'm not, that we carry into that moment. Then he talks about intercession. It's, 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 it's literally meeting with God in a moment that says, I want you to move in your way. I want you, it's, it's almost a, a yielding to his perfect will in that moment. And then the idea of thanksgiving, we go, God, you're so good. I believe you're going to do what's right in this moment, even if I don't understand what you're going to do in the moment or when you're going to moment, where your moment's going to happen. God, I just thank you for being you and for working in these moments. And the idea, my friends, is this. Healthy churches, and by the extension, the believers in those churches, we make a priority of prayer because we have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. We've experienced in those moments, God, would you, could you, will you, will you show? And we've seen God move. We've seen God work. We've seen God answer prayer. Some of you are thinking, well, I've never seen him answer prayer. You need to keep praying. He will. He will. And when prayer is a priority in the life of believers, it will be a priority in the life of a church. If we would say prayer is not a priority in my church's life, it's probably because we as individuals who are making up the church are not making prayer a priority in our lives. It goes together. My prayer is this, that we will be known as the house of prayer. And when people in the community of New Boston go, somebody, I need somebody to pray for me. They think the folks in this room. Those people at First Baptist, they know how to pray. They talk to God. They're having a conversation with they, They're in His presence. They're there. That, 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 that we're known to be a people who pray. That's my prayer. Second, he, we understand, we understand that prayers, understands prayers great purpose. Now you're going, I struggle with how to phrase this. Uh, sometimes I'm a slave to alliteration. Uh, I never knew what that word was in high school, but now I do, and that's not good. But but I want you to catch the thought here is this. We understand why we pray. You're going, we pray because we need things. 
Hang in there. We pray because we want God to do what we want him to. Hang in there. What is the biblical purpose of prayer? Look at verses 2 to 7. To pray for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly, dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, here's the purpose, who desires what? All people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. comes to the knowledge of the truth. He goes on, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, who is a testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. But come back to the focus. The focus of prayer is right there in verse 4. God's purpose for us to pray in all circumstances is for people to come to know Christ. Now, you're going, I thought prayer was for other things. Hang in there with me. Prayer is a concept that if you mention to a Buddhist, you ought to pray. They go, I understand what prayer is. If you talk to a Jewish individual, you say, we need to pray. They go, I know what prayer is. You talk to a Muslim, oh, they know they pray way more than we do. Do you know that? They do it five times a day. They get down on rugs and big rooms together and they pray, okay? So... We're all doing the same thing. Oh, my friends, I pray we're not doing the same thing. Because there's a vast difference between a Christian prayer and a non-Christian prayer. You're going, is there such a thing? Absolutely. While the worldwide, while worldwide people know the word prayer, the meaning of the word is quite different in different settings. You know, on the news they'll say, we need to... And it's always interesting. We can't say Jesus' name in public, but the news will ask us to, or sportscasters will ask us to pray. But what are they asking us to do? They say, we all need to pray. You ever heard that? We all need to stop for a moment of prayer. What are they talking about? They may not be talking about what Paul would talk about as prayer, not what the Bible would talk about as prayer. They're talking about something else. Uh, the, the meaning in most cultures of what prayer is is this. We want to get do- God to do something that we want him to do. God, I want you to do this. That's our prayer. Or uh, we want him to accomplish this. But I've got to tell you, that's not the focus of Christian prayer. Christian prayer has a central focus on one thing primarily is that the world comes to know Jesus. That's what Christian prayer is about. When we're praying for someone who's ill, what are we, what are we really praying for ultimately is what? Their salvation. We want the, if, if I have a friend who doesn't know Christ and I'm praying for their healing, what am I really supposed to, what am I really praying about? I, yeah, do I want them healed? Yes. But I want them to stay alive. Why? So they can come to the place they know Jesus. That's the focus of prayer. That's the meaning of prayer. Let me remind you, the gospel is the good news. What is the good news? Everyone's going to hell. No, the good news is that Jesus died so that people don't what? Have to go to hell. He says, I died and rose so that every person has the potential to be saved. Now, does that mean everyone will be saved? Unfortunately, no. But notice the people for whom they were to pray. Kings, those in high positions, all people. God's primary purpose throughout human history was to redeem to himself a people jealous and zealous for what? Good works. He says, I want all people to come to know the truth. And the gospel is not limited to the wealthy. It's not limited to the wise. It's not limited to the popular. Instead, people from all walks of life are impacted by the gospel. 
And for that, we must pray. He says, pray that everyone comes to know Christ. And the big idea is he idea. The big idea is God wants all kinds of people to come to faith in Him. Not just the pretty people, not just the wealthy people, but all people. And a prayer that is good and pleasing to God is one that says, "We are praying for all to come to faith in Christ." Prayer is a radical action that we consistently and fervently do with the outcome that we're a healthy church. When we're praying biblical prayer, we're praying for people to what? Come into alignment with God's perfect will for their lives, which is eternal salvation in Christ. And when that happens, God does what to our lives? He begins to transform us into the likeness of his son, change us into the image of his, of his dear son, and tra- give us a new pathway. Y'all with me? That's why we pray. That's the purpose of prayer is to see the gospel extended across the earth. Healthy churches pray for that. And then look at number three. There's only three points this morning. I couldn't even get three points in the bulletin this morning. Go figure. Look at verse eight. I desire then that in every place the men should pray. Now you're probably thinking, okay, that's like all people, isn't it? The Greek word here is a very specific word talking about guys, men, not people. There's a different word they use for people that we, it's often translated men, but it's not this word. It's a different word. He says, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. We love to go to this verse and say, ladies, tone it down on the makeup, wear modest clothes, do all this stuff. I don't think that's the primary focus of this passage, the more I've studied it this week. He says, with modesty and self-control, not braided hair, all this. But he says, do this, what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So let's look at this. Paul then speaks what I can best describe as an inclusiveness of prayer. And I mean that in the best sense of that word because that word's been twisted in our culture today. I'm talking about the very best sense. At times in church history, though, what's happened to prayer? Prayer has been viewed as the purview of the priest's or of the religious worker, or of the spiritual person, and the regular person needs to do what? Come to the priest to have him talk to God on his behalf. But I don't find that in Scripture. It's not, it's not exclusively for the, the realm of the quote-unquote spiritual to pray. Paul's focus is twofold. Did you catch it? Who needs to pray? Men and Women, wait, wait, that covers everybody. By the way, the Bible doesn't have a third gender or a choose-your-own option, okay? There's two in the Scriptures. It includes all of them, men and women. That's what it is. Oftentimes, we'll focus on the role of women here and neglect the place of the men. I think men love to talk about, well, the ladies, they dress nicely. They may ignore the first part. Guys, we're going to drill on to us this morning more than the ladies. Hang in there with me. Look at verse 8. He said, I desire then that in every place, who? The men. The men. The word that he chooses here is the Greek word aner. And it is no, there is no way to translate that word as other than man, meaning male. Meaning born male, lives male, dies male, looks like a man, smells like a man, does all the things that men do. Guys, he's talking to us. I desire that in every place the men 
should pray. But what often happens in churches? We often defer to let the women do it. Men, this is our job. That's our job to learn how to do this. You can learn how to hunt. You can learn how to fish. You can learn how to uh, do all those things. You can learn how to pray. Promise. You can do it. You say, well, I don't know if I... Yeah, you can do it. I desire that in every place the men should pray. Doing what? Lifting up holy hands without, oh, get this, we can't be angry and we can't be arguing. Oh, my goodness. No wonder we don't pray, guys. We love to do that stuff, don't we? Say, can we just go on to verse 9 and 10, guys, and ignore us? That's why we skipped that verse. But the context here is on the activity of a healthy church. It's one that prays. I think his intent here is to help the men at the congregation at Ephesus through their leader, Timothy, to grasp the importance of being a praying people. Men, we often use the excuse, well, I'm just too busy. I got to get to work. I got this to do. I got to take care of this. I got to cut the grass. I got to provide this. I got Listen, be like Martin Luther. You got too much to do? Spend three hours in prayer. Then get on it. Talk to God. And then he turns to the women. And I think the context doesn't change because the Greek is pretty clear. He didn't like a new paragraph here. He says, okay, also women do this. And you're probably thinking, why in the world is he talking about this? Sure, that's a different topic altogether. I don't think it is. I think what he's saying is women pray and do it in a respectable way, respectful pray way. And you're probably thinking, why is he talking about this weird? Think about Ephesus. This was a culture that was a female-dominated culture that the women ran the show. They ran the worship. They ran everything. You're probably thinking, Patrick, don't you realize women run the world? What's the song? They rule the world? What he's telling the Christian ladies is this. Don't be like the world. Be Christian. Look Christian, sound Christian, act Christian, and profess godliness in your life. And what's the most godly thing you can do, ladies? It's talking to God. Praying. I believe a praying heart is a beautiful heart. To have this demeanor of godliness and humility before God. Now catch this, all people are to pray, and it's never reserved for us as leaders. It's for everybody. Let's all do it. Every person praying. So what do we do with this? Three quick things. You're thinking, wow, verse one took forever and the others didn't take long. Hang in there with me. Three things. I want us to do this. Let's make prayer a priority. We'll say, well, pastor, go ahead and do that. Make prayer a priority. I can do it all I want to. But until you, as a follower of Jesus, decide in your life, you're going to make prayer a priority in your life, that you're going to spend time with God praying and talking to God on a regular basis, and you're going to set aside time to pray formally, if you will, but you're also going to say, I'm going to make a decision that every moment of the day that I have the chance, I'm going to stop and talk to God. I call those conversational prayers. You stop in the middle of a situation, you go, God, I'm not sure what to do here. Will you show me? You're going... 
Don't people think you're crazy if you do? I didn't say do it out loud. But stop and talk to him on a regular basis to make it a priority. You see, as prayer is a priority in the life of a church, we will grow in our sense of community and unity in the presence of God. And this is not done to be bragging. Oh, well, we're a praying church. We're special. No, but humble that says, God, we're going to declare our dependence on you. We're going to declare that our lives are centered on you. We're going to declare our lives are all about you. And that's what prayer ultimately is, is saying, God, it's not about us, but it's about you. We need you. When prayer is exercised regularly within the life of individual believers and corporately, what we're saying is, God, I need you. We need you. Someone has once said, we do those things we believe are important. Apply that to our prayer lives. We think, I don't pray very often. Uh, Could it be that we think prayer is not that important? Maybe we need to reconsider our feelings toward prayer. Maybe it's something we need to say, God, this is not an optional activity. This is not something we do when we have time. But God, this is something that we are. You know, Jesus saw prayer as a priority. You're thinking, Jesus made prayer a priority. Yes, he did. Remember what he said in Matthew 6. He said, when you pray, go into your room and do what? Shut the door. Pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. As participants of a local congregation, prayer must be a high priority in our lives because it allows us to come into contact with the heart of God. You want to find out what God's doing? You want to find out what God's seeing? You want to see where God's going? Pray. Spend time talking to Him. And as we do that, here's what happens. As I pray, as you pray, as she prays, as he prays, as we're all praying, if we're praying in in, in accord with God's will, what we're going to find is that we're all going to be coming closer and closer together and greater things can happen with us in that moment. So let's make prayer a priority. Second, let's allow God's purpose to fill prayer. What is God's primary purpose in prayer? That people come to know Christ. That's his primary purpose in prayer. There's various types he mentioned here, supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings. Each one of them is a vital aspect, but the big picture is is helping those around us find the truth of the gospel. We pray prayers of supplication. Why? Because as needs are met, it opens doors for the gospel. When we speak with a reverence in prayer to the King of Kings, He can change hearts with the gospel. Y'all got that? When we come into the presence of God in intercession, we ask God to change hearts from rebellion to what? And to bring the gospel to the moment and transform their life. And then we've come with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving that says, God, you've made the way, not a way, but the way for us to know Christ, to have eternal life and to be saved. Listen to what Paul wrote to Titus, another brother in the ministry. He said, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. God's great salvation has already been provided in Christ, yet we as followers get to be the ones through whom he shares that good news, the gospel, with the world. As we're having conversations with God, we become closer to God, we become more in tune with God, and we're more concerned about the hearts of people around us to know God and the gospel. You say, well, that's that child's job at the church. No, that's our job as the church. 
You know, there's people you're going to encounter this week that I will never have a conversation with. You're going to be the preacher in their life. Oh, not me. Oh, yes. You're the one that gets to bring the truth of Jesus to their lives because you're the one that's there. Prayer is not designed to be akin to asking some cosmic gift giver to fill our selfish desires. Prayer is designed to get us in line with God and His great purposes and salvation. And then finally, one more thought. Everyone should be praying. A healthy church is characterized by everyone praying. We can't be healthy Christians if we're not talking to God. We can't be healthy churches if we're not talking to God. And those two go hand in hand. Prayer was never intended to be the select purview of just a few in the congregation. Oh, well, the priest will pray for us. Well, the pastor will pray for us. I, I, sometimes I hate going to events in, in life because when they find out I'm the, a preacher, what do they want me to do? Because I'm the only one in the room who knows how to do it, apparently, to pray. Years ago, we were living in Indiana, and the, the Baylor later lady women were in the Final Four, and the tournament happened to be in Indianapolis. And I got a phone call from the Baylor Alumni Association. Now, they only call because they're looking for money. Y'all know that, don't you? So I, I was ready. I don't have any money. I was a poor preacher at the time. They said, oh, no, no, we're not looking for donations. I don't want to go today. Anyway... They said, we want you to come and be a part of uh, the, the celebration on the night before uh, the tournament starts. And I go, oh, okay. And we're having dinner at St. Elmo's in downtown Indianapolis. I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Elmo's, but uh, 20 years ago, a steak dinner was $100. Now, that's not in my budget today. It surely wasn't in my budget back then. You with me? Even if I could afford it, I'm too cheap to spend that kind of money. Y'all figured me out. But anyway... They call. He said, "We want." I said, "Well, I just I, like I tell you, I can't. I cannot. I cannot afford to do that." Well, we want you to come and pray the offering, uh, the, the the blessing that night on the meal, and we will comp, comp your and your wife's meal that night. Ooh, I didn't know prayer was so expensive. Now we went. We enjoyed the steak. Don't misunderstand. But why is it we always think? Well, it's the preacher who has to do the praying. This is something we're all supposed to be doing, all supposed to be having conversation with God, all having these. Every one of us needs to be praying. And churches that are healthy, that are growing, are filled with people who do what? Pray. Have conversation with God. He says in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Our requests are known to transform the world. So come confidently in prayer, knowing God wants to meet you. Come with assurance that God wants to hear everything. Come humbly, seeking not your will, but His will. And realize that God desires everyone to be saved. And when you ask this, He wants to move. Healthy churches, healthy believers are people who pray. But i got to tell you, the only prayer God hears from us 
before we know Him is the prayer of confession of faith of salvation. So I'd be amiss to not give you an opportunity to pray one good prayer today if you don't know Jesus. That prayer of trusting Him in salvation. Maybe you're here today and you've never met Him. You go, how do I do that? Oh, get this. You get to talk to God. We call that prayer. You get to talk to God and say, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. We acknowledge who we are. I know I need your forgiveness. And God, would you come into my life? When you pray that prayer, he hears it. And he wants to move in your life. We want an opportunity to respond if you need to this morning. We want you to know Christ if you don't, because that's what it's all about. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for loving us and giving us the opportunity to be in your house. We pray for... Uh, those in this room or maybe those listening online who've never trusted you to pray that prayer of trusting you. God, to confess that they, they need you, to confess that they, that they don't have your salvation, that they want you to forgive them of their sin. I pray that they would do that even now. And Father, you, you call us once we've trusted you to publicly profess. Father, we do that in our church by coming to an altar at the front. We say, I've trusted Christ and I want to follow him publicly. I want to follow in believer's baptism. I want to do the things that he's leading me to do. I want to be found faithful. Father, I pray that we would be known as a house of prayer. That people would know that we are the folks, not the only folks, but we are folks who know you and are having conversations with you and that you answer prayer. Father, we pray that you'd bless us during this time of response. In Jesus' name, amen.